You are listening to audio from First Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach. If you would like more resources or to watch our service online, please visit fbcfwb.org. Listen in as Pastor Wade helps us abide in Christ and advance the gospel through the teaching and the proclamation of God's Word. Because he wanted to tell people about Jesus, he was called a miserable enthusiast. Talking about a man named William Carey. He lived in the middle part of the 18th century and on into the 19th century. He was a pastor in England, in Northamptonshire, in a small village called Milton. And because the church was unable to pay him, William Carey, the pastor, worked as a shoe cobbler and as a grammar school teacher. And William Carey had this this interest in foreign countries. He was a voracious reader. He loved to read books about other countries and people's exploits in those other countries. One of his favorite things to read was uh, the the adventures of uh, Captain James Cook in his journals. He would read those journals over and over again. He was so interested in people traveling to uh, faraway lands, and was captivated by that. Well, as William Carey read about other nations and other people living in those nations, and he studied the Bible and preached and taught the Bible, that interest in other nations became a burden. A burden for people living in those nations to hear about Jesus. And one day at a gathering of Baptist pastors, William Carey brought up the Great Commission, the passage we're going to read about, I'll read together this morning. And William Carey focused on the part of that verse that said in Matthew 28, verse 19, that we're to make disciples of all the nations. And he asked the question, Does that mean that we should think about going and telling them about Jesus? Churches weren't sending missionaries. People weren't praying for people in other countries to hear about Christ. They were just going about their daily and weekly religious motions. And when William Carey raised the idea, well, maybe we should go and tell them an older pastor said, young man, sit down. When God pleases to convert the heathen, he'll do it without consulting you or me. And then he called William Carey a miserable enthusiast. In other words, calm down, calm down. All this missions talk and talking about other nations and and telling this story to others and traveling to faraway lands. Calm down, young man. But William Carey didn't calm down. William Carey had a call from God on his life, a burden from God. And William Carey packed up 
and moved to India and lived there for 40 years. And the impact of his missionary efforts still live on today. In fact, he is called the, the father of the modern missionary movement because his going spurred others to go. And he left a great legacy. But the question is this. As we talk about missions this morning, is this something that we all need to think about? Or is this just Pastor Wade being a miserable enthusiast? Who is the Great Commission for? How does it apply to my life and your life? How do we obey it? How do we live it out? Keeping that in mind, I want you to direct your attention to Matthew chapter 28, the last chapter of this wonderful gospel. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus is speaking to his disciples on a mountain before he would ascend to the Lord. He has something specific to say to them starting in Matthew 28 verse 18, when you found your place, I want to ask you this morning if you are physically able to please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's quite a statement. Go therefore, Jesus says, and make disciples. Notice that phrase, make disciples. Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray together this morning. Father in heaven, we are so grateful for this opportunity to gather. Lord, to fix our eyes upon Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, to remind ourselves that the God of the Bible is the same God that we serve and worship today. Lord, we need to be reminded of that. And we need to be reminded of your call to take the gospel to the very ends of the earth. So God, use your word in our lives today. Change us, transform us. God, would you cause a burden for the nations to well up on the inside of us, a burden that grips our heart and will not let go. And we'll thank you for that grace. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. We have embarked on a sermon series that explains our vision as a church. Our vision as a church can be summed up by the phrase, abiding in Christ, advancing the gospel. I spent three weeks talking to you about what it means to abide in Christ, what it means to know Him personally, and to draw near to Him in your walk with Him. And I'm spending three weeks talking about advancing the gospel. And I want to just uh, talk this morning about advancing the gospel to the nations. Now, just a quick reminder before we get into Matthew 28. I want to remind you of our discipleship strategy because here in verse 19, Jesus says, make disciples. So if that's the, the, the driving command of the Great Commission, we need to be about that. 
So how are we going to make disciples? Well, to, to make disciples means we want to help people grow into fully functioning followers of Christ. And we have a pathway. We have a strategy designed to help us, help others, grow into uh, fervent followers of Jesus. And our pathway can be summed up by three phrases. The first phrase is saved and baptized. We want to share the gospel so people come into a relationship with Jesus Christ so they are saved. Then we baptize them as a, a symbol, an outward mark of what God has done on the inside. Saved and baptized. And then we want people that come to know Christ to get connected with others in the church uh, and, and, and connect uh, with others in terms of relationship uh, in, in a Bible study. And then we want them to, to really uh, experience accelerated sanctification or growth as they get into a D group, a discipleship group, and, and, and really challenge each other to be in the Word and to walk with God and to, to be accountable. We call that connected and growing. And the third phrase is serving and reaching out. When, when someone is saved and baptized and they're connected and they're growing in their faith, the, the natural progression is, or the supernatural progression is, that they will serve others, serve in the church, serve their community, and they will reach out to others with the gospel so others can get saved and start the discipleship pathway. So that's our strategy for making disciples. But the question I really want to focus on this morning is this. What's our scope? What's our scope? Where do we want to see this process happen? Well, last week I told you, we want to see this process happen in our neighborhoods, in our community, in Fort Walton Beach, in the Emerald Coast area. We want to see people saved and baptized, connected and growing, serving and going. We want to see that happen here in our Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. But also, we want to see this happen among the nations. And the next time we're together, we'll talk about the next generation. That's the scope of our disciple-making efforts. The neighborhoods, the nations, the next generation. This morning, I want to focus on the nations. Because look what it says there in verse 19. Jesus says, go, therefore, and make disciples. That's our, 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 our strategy. Make disciples of all nations. Now... That phrase, uh, all nations, is a very interesting phrase. In the Greek language, it's the phrase pantata ethne. Pantata ethne. Uh, ethne uh, means something like groups of people that are bound together by language and culture and custom. Uh, it, it speaks of people groups, not just geopolitical entities. Missions used to focus on, you know, nations like Belgium or Spain or Uganda or Laos. But as we grew in our knowledge of missions, we, we figured out that in those geopolitical nations, there were very diverse people groups that made up those nations. And when we compared that to the Greek language, it says, we're to make disciples of all the ethne. Do you hear the word ethnicity in that? Ethne. That means that not only are we to go to Uganda... But we're called to reach every distinct people group there in Uganda with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So our call is to make disciples of all the people groups on the face of the earth. About 11,000 somewhere in there, depending on which uh, list you're looking at. 11,000, 12,000 somewhere in there. About 
About 6,000 of the people groups on the face of the planet are unreached people groups, less than 2% evangelical. And half of those, about 3,000 people groups, are unengaged unreached people groups, which means they are bound together by language and custom, and no one is trying to tell them about Jesus. The Bible says we are called to make disciples of pantata ethne, all the nations. So how do we do that? Well... Let me give you some thoughts into how you and I can be a part of seeing this great commission lived out in the life of our church. In order to get the gospel to the nations, we need four things. Number one, we need to know. We need to know. As our burden for the lost increases, our desire to act will grow. Back to the example of William Carey. As he read about foreign lands, as he read about the adventures of others going far away to, 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 um, to, to live or to take goods or to explore, as he read about these stories, and then he began to read the Bible and, and think about how those two compared, he said, wait a minute, there are people living far, far away from here that do not know the gospel, having never even heard the name of Christ. And a burden began to develop on the inside. And as the burden grew in his life, his desire to act grew as well. Let me, let me give you a little thesis statement on the front end here. I believe that the reason many church members don't give a second thought to missions is because they don't have a burden. They just don't have a burden for people who are far away to hear about Christ. It's something nice to support and tip your hat to, perhaps. And, and there are people that are doing missions, you know, those missionary folks. And, 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 and you know, Pastor Way talks about it some. And we got some different things in life for our church. But, but really no burden, no, no driving passion to be a part of doing something about it. Well, how do we develop a burden for the lost? The lost and dying. We need to know. We need to grow in our knowledge. Specifically, we need to know the needs in our world. Let me say it again. We need to know the needs in our world. I don't want to overwhelm you with statistics this morning. I can give you a lot of statistics. I've, I've choose, chosen just three basic stats to give you a, a, a feel for the needs in our world for those that need to hear about Jesus. First stat. 59% of the world today is considered unreached. 59%. This means that Jesus is not known or even named, listen, among 4.5 billion people on this planet. 4.5 billion people have little or no access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you feel any weight from that statistic? We're talking about someone being born into a people group. They grow up. They get married. They start a family. They have a vocation. They work. They grow older. They have grandkids. 
And as they age, they eventually come to a place where they pass away. And there are billions in our world who live that kind of life having never even heard the name of Jesus. Let me give you another stat to to maybe get your attention this morning. 157,690 people die every day without Jesus. 157,690 people die every day without Jesus. We do not have the luxury to play church and go through the motions when people are Dying and perishing and stepping into a Christless eternity. 157,690 people every day. We need to know these things. We need to keep these facts in front of us. In fact, if you look there in your notes, I've given you two websites. They're underlined there in your notes. I want you to, to take some time, not right now, not right now, but later... I want you to take some time to just peruse these websites. One is our International Mission Board, uh, imb.org slash people and places. And there is a lot of information on there about the needs in our world and the people groups in our world and, and, and just the overwhelming um, call for Christians to be involved in taking the, the gospel to the nations. And joshuaproject.net, I use this all the time, has... An unreached people group of the day. So if you'll check it out every day, they even have a podcast. I listen to it. It's one minute every day. I listen to a podcast every day that tells me about an unreached people group so I can, I can, I can pray for them. In fact, uh, I, I do this uh, on my way to school, taking my kids to school. We play the unreached people group of the day. and We pray for an unreached people group somewhere around the world. JoshuaProject.net. And these are just two... Two places where you can get information as to what's going on in our world. And as you grow in your knowledge, the burden will grow with it. Not only do we need to know what the needs are in our world, we need to know what God is doing in our world. We need to, we need to learn. What we heard this morning was so impactful about these, this, this family over generations, how they've touched Brazil with the gospel. We need to hear those sorts of things and know what God is doing. We need to answer these questions as we learn. What strategies is God blessing around the world? How can we join Him in what He is doing? Where are the harvest fields? Where are the hard-to-reach places? We need to know what God is doing and how God is moving in the world. Because as that happens, our burden to be a part of what God is doing will grow with it. Think about the book of Nehemiah. I love the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, in a very courageous act, told uh, the, the king that he was serving under, the, the, uh, the, the Persian king, he told him that uh, he wanted to go back to his homeland of, uh, of, of Jer- uh, Jerusalem, the capital city of Jerusalem, Judea. He wanted to go back to his homeland and rebuild the walls 
around the city. And he led in a great effort to do that. But it says in chapter 1, the reason that he wanted to go back and rebuild the walls is because God had placed a burden on his heart. He heard the walls had been burned down. He, he, he learned about the vulnerability of that great city. And, and, and the Lord settled on his heart, you can do something about this. And that burden led to action. Do you have a burden for the billions of people in our world that are far from God, do not know about Christ, and in many, many, many instances, no one's even trying to tell them? No. Number two, pray. Pray. Ephesians 6.18 is very clear. It's a, a passage on spiritual warfare we'll get back to when we get into our, our passage or back to our study of Ephesians. But Ephesians 6 about spiritual warfare tells us that we have some weapons in our fight against the enemy. As we push back the darkness with the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit, and we are called to pray in the spirit. Prayer is a spiritual weapon. We fight, listen, spiritual battles through prayer. Amen? We fight spiritual battles through prayer. And, and the call to make disciples of all the nations is a spiritual battle because Satan does not want it to happen. And we're called to go. And so we want to fight spiritual battles through prayer. You say, Pastor Wade, how can I pray for these different needs going on in the world? Let me give you a few thoughts. First of all, Pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. Luke chapter 10 verse 2 tells us that, that we're commanded to, to ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers to go and tell people about Christ. Pray for God to send people. Colossians 4.2, pray that God will open the hearts of the lost. As people go and tell, pray God would open their hearts to understand and see their need and respond. That he would draw people to himself. Ephesians, Ephesians 6, 19 and 20, pray that God will grant boldness to our missionaries and provide protection for our missionaries. Pray for practical matters like language acquisition and family dynamics. Pray for those that you know that are going with the gospel. But most of all, as you pray, pray that God will push back the darkness and loose Satan's stronghold on a nation or a people group. Here's the way I like to think about prayer and missions and the warfare. I like to think about prayer as artillery, spiritual artillery. If you think about a battlefield, often you have troops on the front line, and behind the front lines you have artillery that will shoot over the, 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 the troops on the front line, shoot over their head to weaken the defenses of the enemy so they can move forward and be victorious. Well, we have people on the front line, people that are serving the Lord on the front lines of lostness in very hard and dark places. And we as the church can serve as spiritual artillery, shooting over their head with our prayers that God would do a work that precedes them and prepares the way for them to go and share Christ. Prayer is spiritual artillery. It weakens Satan's defenses. We can fight this battle on our knees. But let me ask you a question. I'm not looking for a, a 
public answer, but just a, a question to consider in your heart. When was the last time you prayed for a missionary? When was the last time you prayed for a people group or a nation? When was the last time you prayed for the expansion of the gospel in any place? And when's the last time you prayed about your role in what God is doing here and around the world? I'm not sharing those or asking those questions to make you feel bad or make you feel guilty. We've all got room to grow. I certainly do. But I do want us to consider, is this an area where I need to give more attention Is this an area that I need to focus on more than I am? Prayer is the battle. So how do we make disciples of all the nations? First of all, we've got to know. We've got to pray. Number three, we've got to send. We've got to send. Here's what that looks like. First of all, for our church, we are to hold the rope for those that go. We are to hold the rope for those that go. I get that phrase, hold the rope. Uh, again from the story of William Carey. William Carey decided to go to India, and he had a, a pastor friend, a young man named Andrew Fuller. And Andrew Fuller said, if you will go to India and you'll tell people about Jesus, we will hold the rope. We'll do whatever we need to do on this end to support you and encourage you so you can go and tell. And, and that's what local churches are to do. We're to hold the rope for those that God sends out, for those that are called to go. Of course, it takes resources to send others. I appreciated Brother Sam this morning and his story again about the families in Brazil. And if you notice, he's mentioned at the end that they're supported in part by the cooperative program. It's, it's the fuel for missions that... When you give to this church, we give money away to go to the cooperative program along with a lot of other churches that give to that same cooperative program so that we can support missionaries all around the world and in North America. When you give to this church, money goes to the cooperative program. Also, we have special offerings like Annie Armstrong for for, um, North American missions. We have Lottie Moon Christmas offering. You'll hear a lot about that coming up soon. Uh, For international missions, it's a special offering we take up to help send more people and support those that go. Of course, it takes resources to send others. Those that go need support, and they need encouragement, and they need it desperately. So when I talk about sending, I'm talking about supporting those that go, holding the rope. But that's not all I'm talking about. Listen, look at me for a moment. Just come in real close. A lot of people, when they think about missions, that's all they think about. Well, we just, we just, we just send and, we, and we, you know, we give our money and that's missions. That, that's, not where, that's not where missions ends. That's where missions begins. When I talk about sending, I'm, I'm talking about more than just supporting those that go. I'm talking about actually being the source for new missionaries and church planters. In other words, if there are billions of lost people in our world and we need tens of thousands of more missionaries to go and tell, where are they going to come from? I would submit to you they need to come from our churches. That we need to keep it in front of each other. 
that perhaps God wants to call some of us to go. We want to be the, the, the source for new missionaries and church planters. So when I talk about missions, hear me. I'm not just talking about providing financially. I'm talking about producing the next generation of those that will go. In fact, there's a quote here. I love it from Mark Stichura. It's, it's a, a quote that's always challenged me. And the quote is this, and this flies in the face of, of much of what you experience in American Christianity. But here's the quote. The mark of a great church is not its seeding capacity, but its sending capacity. God is not impressed by big churches. Do we want our churches to grow? Yes. We want to reach more people? Yes. More families? Yes. Do we want to grow? Yes. Do we want this room full? Yes. God wants us to be a sending church. That's what captures the, the gaze of God. When your church is aligned so closely with His heart for the nations that people are actually leaving your church to go other places for the sake of the gospel. We want to be a church that... Sins. In fact, just to let you know how I, how I prayed for this sermon to land in your heart and your life. I'm praying that God will call people out of our church. People perhaps sitting on the pew this morning. Just minding your own business. And the Spirit of God taps you on the shoulder. And speaks to your heart. It says something like this. Have you considered that I may want you to go? I may want you to move to another area for the sake of the gospel, an area that needs gospel witness? Have you considered that you may be the answer to your prayers for God to sin? Have you considered that? And what if today we left this room and our yes was on the table? And we said to God, Lord, I surrender all to you. And if that means you want me to go be a missionary, or you want me to go be a church planter, or you want me to support my kids or grandkids if you call them, uh-oh. My yes is on the table. Lord, give me my marching orders. And the answer is yes. We want to be a church that sends others out. Mark of a great church is not its seating capacity, but its sending capacity. I love the church at Antioch in the book of Acts. You start reading about them in the 11th chapter of the book of Acts, and, and I just love that every time you read about the church in Antioch, they're sending, they're just sending, sending Paul and Barnabas and others, just sending people out to go tell others about Christ. I'm praying that God will call 
young men and young ladies out of our church. By the way, it's one of the reasons we do missions education here. I, I believe that one of the mistakes that churches in North America are making is they are they're, they're stopping missions education. They're not teaching kids about what God's doing around the world and the needs in the world. So, so kids aren't even thinking about missions. It's not even on their radar screen. But I want you to know. As we emerge from this COVID fog and we start going on more and more trips in North America and around the world, we're going to take teams of people and we're going to talk about missions and pray about missions and think about unreached people groups and think about those that are serving. We're going to have global impact conferences. Our next one's in October. We bring missionaries here so they can encourage us and, and challenge us and our, our apprehension and awareness of what God is doing around the world is going to grow and here's what's going to happen. God's going to begin to call people out. He's done it in this church before. He's going to do it again. People that raise their hand and say, I will go. And I pray it will be a mighty movement of the Spirit of God because our world needs to hear the old, old story. Can I remind you that Jesus left heaven and came to earth? And he went to the cross and died for you and for me. He shed his blood as the spotless Lamb of God, he died for us because he loves us so much. And then after he died, he rose from the grave. He defeated death itself and he gives forgiveness and eternal life to all that trust him. What a wonderful good news message and people need to hear. May God send people from First Baptist Church, Fort Walton Beach to go tell. We're not waiting around for other people to go. We're not waiting around saying, who's going to address this, this, this need for missionaries? We want to be part of the solution. Not just providing for missions. We want to produce missionaries. I mean that with all of my heart and all of my soul and all of my strength. We need to be a church that sins. I think I've shared this story with you before, but when I was a a youth minister, I was challenging the students to, uh, to think about the Great Commission, think about the nations, and this young lady took us seriously, and, and she went online, and she found this program. She went to uh, Mongolia for a summer, and, and she, she was a high school student. She made the decision. She got the information and signed up, and, and I'll never forget that next Sunday, I was there at church, and her parents, who weren't members of the church yet, uh, they, they saw me across the room and came walking toward me. They did not look happy. And uh, they made a beeline for me. And they were really quite upset that their daughter was going to go to Mongolia. And we talked through that and prayed through that. And, and uh, we became dear friends. They joined the church. And uh, just precious folks. Um, but listen to me. It gets real. When your son or daughter comes knocking at the door and says, God may be calling us. And it gets even realer, that's not good English, but it gets even realer when they got your grandkids. I've journeyed with a lot of families that send their families to somewhere in the world and it's hard. It's not easy. But it's the call of God and we must answer. So we've got to know, we've got to pray, we've got to send, and then fourth and last, we've got to go. We've got to go. Even if we're not called to go to move somewhere and live somewhere else, 
we still go as a church. And I've given you in your notes three go goals. Three go goals. These are some goals for us to, to engage in missions as a church family. I shared these with you pre-COVID in 2019. And I, I know you remember them, but I'm just going to give them to you again just in case. In case you've forgotten. Three, three go goals. Number one, very simply... We want to develop strategic partnerships in all nine IMB affinities. Now, the IMB is the International Mission Board. It's the missions arm of the Southern Baptist Convention. And they've divided the world up into what they call affinity groups, which are focused on different types of, of peoples all around the world. And they used to work through regions, but now they call them affinities. And there are nine of them, one of them being a deaf affinity. Uh, they've identified that there are deaf people all over the world and no one's trying to tell them about Jesus. And we're sending missionaries to the, the deaf community and Asian peoples and America, uh, people of the Americas and, and people in Africa and, and all around the world. There are nine affinity groups. My goal for our church is that we have a strategic partnership in at least every one of those nine affinities. That means that we know some missionaries serving there. We're supporting them, encouraging them, praying for them. And we're actually sending teams to go and work with them. Every affinity group, that's a goal for this church. We're working on that. We're starting to make some headway here. But ultimately, we want to have a, a, a role in every affinity in the International Mission Board. Strategic partnerships. Not a shotgun approach. We want to find people that, that we can really encourage and help and work with and keep going to reach that area for Christ. Secondly, we want to be a catalyst for church planting in the panhandle. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but Florida's really growing. Have you noticed that? I mean, it's exploding with growth for a variety of reasons, but it, it's really, really growing. And, and, and Florida needs more churches. Florida needs more churches. You say, oh, Pastor Wade, we got churches everywhere. I drove by four churches to get here. Why do we need more churches? Listen to me. Listen, if every one of our existing churches were at capacity this next Sunday, Every pew filled, every seat taken, there would still be tens of thousands of people in Okaloosa County lost and far from God. And the way you reach more people and reach more people quicker is by planting new churches. And so we want to be a part of that. We want to see new churches start. First Baptist has as their legacy starting new churches. And that's awesome. And we want to continue to start New churches be a catalyst for church planning. And we'll talk to you more about uh, what that looks like in the future. But we're, we're going to be very, very intentional about sending out church planters. Training them, encouraging them, equipping them, sending them out. We'll talk some more about that in the coming days. And then number three, we want to support North American Mission Board, church planting missionaries across North America. We have missionaries right here in North America that are planting in some very difficult places. People like the Wallaces in North Dakota. We've sent two teams up there. We've brought them in for a global impact conference. We're supporting them financially, praying for them. People like that. We want to support church planting, starting new churches in areas that really need them. We want to go. So that means... Plant churches, sending out mission teams, being involved in the activity of God in this world. How do we, how do we reach the nations with the gospel? We've got to know what's, go, what's going on. We've got to know the needs. We've got to pray. We've got to send. We've got to go. 
And the question I have for you this morning is, and it's a big question, like you just walked in here, it's Labor Day weekend, and football season started in full this week, and you know, I, I know, I get all that, and you're like, I'm just, I, I got, we got family plans tomorrow, and, and you walk in here, and all of a sudden, Pastor Wade's saying, put your yes on the table, right? Tell God you'll go anywhere. That's heavy, that's a big deal, and I know that's a lot to, to lay on you this Labor Day Sunday, but I believe it's the call of God in Scripture. The Great Commission is for us, every one of us, to get the Gospels to the ends of the earth. We were having a global impact conference at a previous church. We had missionaries from all over the world and they were sharing with us and it was a great time. And on the last night, the Wednesday night of the global impact conference, we had one of the missionary personnel speak and challenge our church and we we gave an invitation and we just asked people to consider what God was was saying and, and doing in their life. And let me let me preface the story by saying I don't lose my composure very much. Like it, it's you know usually it's it's hard for me to to cry in front of people and and uh, I can usually kind of keep buttoned up and, and and contain my emotions because here's the deal. When I do lose it, I lose it. It's like ugly cry, wait, okay? It's, I mean, it, it's not pretty when I, when I lose it. So I, I, try, I, I have to work really hard to maintain my composure. Sometimes we're singing some songs out there, and I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm trying to get my, myself together before I come up and preach. So I was down front, and, um, you know, we're asking God to send out missionaries from our church. And I looked over to my right, and there were two girls, maybe 10, 11 years old, They'd been in our missions education. They'd been learning about missions. To them, it was the most natural thing in the world to walk down to the front of the, the church, get on their knees, and say, Here am I. Send me. God, I, I want to go. And I just happened to look over there and see those two little girls kneeling down at the altar, and I lost it. It was bad. I lost it. Because that's what it's all about. Whether, whether those young ladies end up going as full-time missionaries to the International Mission Board, or they go and maybe do medical missions, or maybe they're in the business world and they just move to another country to work with a, a team in another country and, and have a job there and... and a business there in another country, but they're supporting church planting efforts in that country. I don't, I don't know how God might use them or others that go. There are a variety of ways people can be used around this world. But, but however God chooses to, to use them, however God chooses to use us, this is what it's all about. I want to say this when we talk about the next generation, but I want to give you a little preview. What's most important for our kids is, is uh, not what kind of vehicle they drive or what kind of house they live in or what kind of degree they get or where they go to college. or Those things are important. Those are very important. What's most important is that our kids understand they can be a part of the mission of God. And be used by him to touch a lost and dying world for the glory of King Jesus. And if we don't get that message across, we're missing it. 
missing it. And if we don't, if we don't let that message rest upon us as individuals, we're missing it. We're called to take the gospel to the nations. Thank you for listening. We pray you've been encouraged and inspired by God's word. May the Lord richly bless you.